Good morning, you're listening to River City Revival. This is Reverend Liz Jackson, and this morning's sermon is Reality and Society. Who are the Nicolaitans? Revelations 2, Numbers chapter 22 through 24, and an Enoch study. As always, in the description box of this podcast, you will find a link to Alliance Terrace Ministry where you are highly encouraged to read and share this information as you continue your journey to wake up and learn who Abba Yah really is. I used to love dot to dots and word search puzzles as a child. I used to do jigsaw puzzles as well. I once had a 3D model of Camelot that my stepfather and I would put together. As I was a huge fan of Camelot and the Knights of the Round Table, I would dream of my Prince Arthur saving me as I was a damsel in distress. Better yet, however, Abba Yah saved me instead. The Bible is a puzzle to me. Each verse, each word, Abba Yah speaks has a purpose and a reason, a position that paints his beautiful picture. This is what the ministry is all about, restoring the worn, torn, lost, and broken image of Abba Yah himself that he himself gave to us. I am humbled that he has enlisted me for this task. It's fun. It's mind-blowing. And yes, just like any 1,000 or 3,000 or more piece puzzle, there are times I must walk away when getting irritated for not finding what I hear him clearly tell me. And just like anyone who loves puzzles, you don't stay gone too long because you soon realize where that missing piece actually belongs, what it looks like, what shape it is, and where it belongs. Brothers and sisters, we are all a part of Abiyah's puzzle, and this sermon will show you, as normal, the importance of his word. Revelations 2, 1-7, through 7, and 14-15 through 15. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy work and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou cannot bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou have left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst 
of the paradise of God. Verse 14 and 15. To the church of Pergamos. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. So the first word we're going to dissect and understand is the word stumbling block. And that is Greek word G4625. And it means a scandal, a trap stick, a snare, figuratively to cause of displeasure or sin or anything that offends. The Nicolaitans continued the doctrine of Balaam, a false prophet found in the books of Numbers, chapters 22 through 24 and 31, Joshua, chapter 13, 22, chapter 24, 29, Micah 6, 5. The biblical outline of usage for stumbling block is any impediment Placed in the way and causing one to stumble or fall. Um, it also means figuratively applied to Yahusha, whose person and career were so contrary to the expectations of the Jews concerning the Messiah that they rejected him and by their obstinacy made shipwreck of their salvation. Also, any person or thing by which one is entrapped drawn into error, or committing sin. Micah 6, 3-5 O my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. For I brought thee out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed thee out of the house of thy servants. And I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember how Balak king of Moab, consulted, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him from Shithim unto Gilgal, that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. In order to understand what the doctrine of the Nicolaitans is, we need to learn who Balaam is as well as Balak. Who is Balaam? The Hebrew word Balaam is Hebrew word 1109, and it means not of the people, a Mesopotamian prophet, and the Jesus Hebrew Chaldee lexicon has Balaam as the false prophet. Balaam was a false prophet from Mesopotamia. In Numbers Chapter 22, 4 through 6, we read this. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that are round about us, as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at the time. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam the son of Beor to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people. 
to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Preadventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I want that he whom thou blessed is blessed, and he whom thou cursed is cursed. Here we read that Balak was king of the Moabites. Balaam was the son of Beor. Balak sent Balaam a message to curse the children of Israel who cover the entire earth, the face of the earth, not just the land of Mesopotamia, as this is a part of the doctrine of Balaam, and you will learn why soon, for they were too mighty for him to prevail. The word mighty is Hebrew word 6099, and it means powerful, by implication numerous. The biblical outline of usage for mighty means vast number, mighty, strong, countless. It's time to apply some common sense. Abba says countless. Do you honest, honestly believe only the coast of the Mediterranean Sea can hold countless numbers of people? When he says the whole face of the earth do you honestly believe he is only speaking of the coast of the Mediterranean Sea? To read more and to educate yourself on the true word of Abba Yah and how Noah divides the land after the flood, there's parts one through four available on this podcast and online. The definition of countless by Merriam-Webster defines countless as too numerous to be counted. Synonyms for countless means innumerable, innumerous, a myriad, numberless, uncountable. To back this up, we go to Genesis 15, 2 through 5. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Elzir of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thy own bowels shall be thy heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them, he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Father Abraham had many sons and daughters. I am one of them, and so are you. And this is why people doubt the Bible, because of the indoctrination of the Nicolaitans, which is really the doctrine of Balaam. How did the doctrine of Balaam come about? We're going to keep reading. Also, as a side note, your Bibles say that Ishmael, who founded Islam, or Islam stems from Ishmael, would also be a great nation. 
He would not be the heir, but he would also be a great nation. The Quran, up until a certain point, which I have not personally read, I've studied because I've taken Islamic civilization in college, has up to a certain point everything the Bible speaks of. It then starts going astray because Muhammad, who was taught the actual truth, led Ishmael's children into lies and deceit. Again, also a part of the doctrine of Balaam. Numbers 22, 9 through 13. And God came to Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zephor, king of Moab, have sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covers the face of the earth. Come now, curse them. Preadventure, I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the prince of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refused to give me leave to go with you. Here, the word Lord is Hebrew word H3068, and we know it is Yahuwah. Yahuwah spoke to Balaam and told him, You will not condemn and curse my people, for no prince. He said they are a blessed, and you are not to go with them. And this is Balaam's first warning. So we're going to continue into chapter 22, and it is very long, so I'm going to summarize it for you. The rest of chapter 22 summarized portion goes like this, and it's very important. When Abba Yah said for Balaam not to go, and he went anyway, Abba Yah sent an angel to prevent him from continuing his journey. Balaam didn't see the angel. His horse did and began to turn away and began to get frantic to the point that Balaam, who used this horse for every adventure and journey ended up killing the horse. Numbers 22 says the horse spoke to Balaam after it was injured first, asking him why he would hurt the one animal that has been there for him his entire life. The Lord God put words in that horse's mouth. But Balaam ended up killing the horse and went to Balak anyway. The angel even showed himself to Balaam as a warning to not continue. But Balak rewarded Balaam for listening to him with oxen and sheep. And to all those who traveled with Balaam. Numbers 22, very, very important. Numbers 23 is vital as it brings back the watchers. And this is what Abba Yah showed me. 
I had the Doctrine of the Nicolaitans published on the Lion's Tears Ministry website a couple years back. As Abba has been working on me, so has he had me revise some of my sermons in order to deliver it to the world through my voice via his words. So he showed me some things that when I googled it, you will not be able to find. Again, Numbers 23 is vital as it brings back the watchers. To summarize Numbers 23, Balak wasn't taking no for an answer and took Balaam to several places to sacrifice to Abiyah so that Israel, all his children of the entire earth, would be cursed. One important place was Zophim, the mountain of the watchers. And we find this in Numbers 23, 14. And he brought him into the field of Zophim to the top of Pishkah and built seven altars and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. The Hebrew word 6839 Zophim equals watchers. I've included a photo so that you knew when you read this that I took it straight out of the lexicon. The biblical outline of usage for Zophim means watchers. Enoch 6, 3 through 6. And Semyaza, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear you will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, Let us all swear an oath. And bind ourselves by mutual imprecations not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were all in two hundred who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. Now, remember that the leaders got punished. The giants and the souls of the giants that were produced, they still roam this earth. Those are the principalities and the rulers of wickedness in high places that Ephesians 6.12 talks about. And they are the demons and so on and so forth. Remember, names have changed to hide our identity this mountain spoken of in Numbers 23 is Mount Hermon. When you Google it, like I said a little while ago, it's the searches, it won't come up anything. And I believe many have not identified this with Enoch. This is another reason why Enoch was taken out of your Bible and was not part of canon. Remember this, please, for Abba Yah's words have no coincidences. And why his words and definitions of his words in Hebrew actually matter. Balaam is a false prophet because he was doing the bidding of Balak and not of Abba Yah. Balaam states in Numbers twenty-three eighteen 
and 2413, that if Balak gave him his house of silver and gold, he would defy Abba Yah. He teaches the doctrine of the watchers, also identified as his oracles to Balak. Numbers 3116 tells us this. And not only that, Moab was worshiping the watcher known as Baal. Hebrew word H, 6465, Peor, is important because it is a false god worshipped in Moab, and it corresponds to Baal. Where did Balaam get his oracle? Again, Mount Hermon, where the imprecations or the curse to destroy the entire earth was vowed upon by the fallen angels. Abba Yah is speaking through Joshua. Joshua 24, 9 through 10 backs this up. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warned against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore he blessed you instead. So I delivered you out of his hand. Again, Abba Yah delivers us out of the hands of the watchers. But for more information, we need to know more about Balak and Moab. And this is important to remember when we read about false doctrine. We must Keep in mind where they originate from. Balak means destruction and was the king of Moab who, was hi who hired Balaam to curse the entire world of Israel because brothers and sisters, people were starting to come back to worship the one true king, Abba Yah, and Balak wasn't having it. That was what the whole exodus was all about. Was Noah, or not Noah, but Moses, reinstating the doctrine of Noah that was given by Abba Yah to Adam and his descendants. Moses came preaching the same information to the children that was held in captivity in Egypt. And Balak knew this. And he was not going to have the one true God revived, not in his time. So he requested Balaam to curse Israel, the whole world, again. We must keep in mind where Balak, Balaam, these doctrines originate from. Enoch 15, 8 through 12. And now the giants who are produced from the spirits of and flesh shall be called evil spirits upon the earth, and on the earth shall be their dwelling. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies because they were born from men and from the holy watchers is their beginning and primal origin. They shall be evil spirits on the earth. Evil spirits shall they be called. As for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall be their dwelling. But as for the spirits of the earth, which were born upon the earth, on the earth shall be their dwelling. 
and the spirits of the giants afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, and work destruction on the earth, and cause trouble. They take no food, but nevertheless hunger and thirst, and cause offenses. And these spirits shall rise up against the children of men, and against the women, because they have proceeded from them. I'm always under attack from these spirits when I let men into my life. Or pretty much anybody into my life except my children. But then sometimes spirits find a way to attach to my children to cause me to have disruption and chaos. Because the evil energy stemming from these demons when they try to use my children against me, I feel it. So therefore, I pray against it. I teach my daughters what I can. I pray my entire house clean. I use salt rocks because that helps ionize negative energy. I use megahertz throughout my oh, entire house, better known as meditation music, to keep my energies in this home regulated. Numbers 2241 states, And it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him up into the high places of Baal, that thence he might see the utmost parts of the people. Hebrew word 1120 of Baal. I have a photo to the left of that. Means a high places. Baal from the same and H 1168 heights of Baal. The same as H 1168, which identifies yet Baal again as a false god of the Phoenicians and or the Canaanites. And yes, the same Canaanites who stole Shem's land and went against the vow made before Abba Yah when Noah divided the land between his sons. Baal means Lord. It means supreme male divinity of the Phoenicians or Canaanites. That's why we're not supposed to call Abba Yah Lord. Because when you call upon Lord, chances are, if you're practicing sin and paganism, you're inviting Baal to come into your house. Now, do you see why Enoch was removed from your Bibles? Abba Yah is and always will be amazing. Without Enoch, we would not have identified the mount of the watchers or connected the dots to the watchers. In Numbers 23. Do you see now how Abba Yah's word is bond, is legit? But we're not done yet. Judges 2.11 And the children of Israel did evil things in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. Judges 2.13 And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtoreth. There's two sermons Three now because deck the halls with Ashtoreth and your Ashtoreth pole known as a Christmas tree 
is now posted online. Judges 10, verse 6. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam and Ashtoreth, and the gods of Syria, and the gods of Zidon, and the gods of Moab, and the gods of the children of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines, and forsook the Lord, and served him not. Who are the Nicolaitans? The name Nicolaitans was derived from the Greek word Nicholas, a compound of the word Nikos and Laos. The word Nikos is the Greek word that means to conquer or subdue. The word Laos is the Greek word for the people. It's also where we get the word lady. When these two words are compounded into one, they form the name Nicholas, which literally means one who conquers and subdues the people. It seems to suggest that the Nicolaitans were somehow conquering and subduing the people. Well, yeah, because tis the season to be jolly and worship your Saint Nicholas. Destruction of people, as we have been learning, comes from lies, deceit, false information, and changing times to fit a narrative. Everything taught by the watchers to cause destruction of people by destroying their hearts and minds is exactly what is being taught today. As Abba Yah's word states in his holy book, Strong's Greek G, 35-31, attributes Nicolaites to Nicolaitan to Nicholas. The biblical outline of usage for Nicolaitans is destruction of people. It is a sect in Revelation 2, chapter 6 and 15, who are charged with holding the error of Balaam, casting a stumbling block before the church, which is the people of Israel, the children of Abiyah, by upholding the liberty of eating things sacrificed to idols, as well as committing fornication. Who was the founding Nicolaitan? Irenaeus and Hippolytus, two leaders in the early church who recorded many of the events that occurred in the earliest church days of history, said the Nicolaitans were the spiritual descendants of Nicholas of Antioch, who had been ordained as a deacon in Acts 6-5. That verse says, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochus, and Nicor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. We learned about Antioch in the Nazarene sermon that I have online, and I have yet to deliver to the podcast. Nicholas was, Acts 6-5 tells us, that Nicholas was a proselyte of Antioch. The fact that he was a proselyte tells us that he was not born a Jew or Hebrew, but had converted from paganism to Judaism. Then he experienced a second conversion, this time turning from Judaism to Christianity. For this information, we know these facts about Nicholas of Antioch. But first, I want to give you a definition. 
What does proselyte mean? The biblical term proselyte is an angelicalization of the Keon Greek term proselos, as used in the Septuagint, for stranger, a newcomer to Israel, a stranger in the land. Nicholas came from paganism and had deep pagan roots, very much unlike the other six deacons who came from a pure Hebrew line. Nicholas's pagan background meant that he had previously been immersed in the activities of the occult. He was not afraid of taking an opposing position, evidenced by his ability to change religions twice. Converting to Judaism would have estranged him from his pagan family and friends. It would seem to indicate that he was not impressed or concerned about the opinions of other people. When he converted to Christ, it was at least the second time he had converted from one religion to another. We don't know if or how many times he shifted from one form of paganism to another before he became a Jewish proselyte. His ability to easily change religion hats implies that he was not afraid to switch direction in midstream and go a totally different direction. According to the writings of the early church leaders, Nicholas taught a doctrine of compromise, implying that total separation between Christianity and the practice of occult paganism was not essential. From early church records, it seems apparent that this Nicholas of Antioch was so immersed in occultism, Judaism, and Christianity that he had a stomach for all of it. He had no problem intermingling these belief systems and various concoctions and saw no reason why believers couldn't continue to fellowship with those still immersed in the black magic of the Roman Empire and its countless mystery cults. Iranius Alliance, circa 1220 through 202 AD states, The Nicolaitans are the followers of that Nicholas who was one of the seven first ordained to the deaconate by the apostles. They lead lives of unrestrained indulgence. The character of these men is very plainly pointed out in the Apocalypse of John, also known as the Book of Revelation, when they are presented as teaching that it is a matter of indifference to practice adultery and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Wherefore, the word has also spoken of them thus. But this thou hast, that thou hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And that was a quote, again, from Irenaeus the Lions, from Against Heresies, chapter 1. Hippolytus of Rome, circa 236 A.D. states, There are, however, among the Gnostic diversities of opinion, but we have decided that it would not be worthwhile to enumerate the silly doctrines of these heretics, and as much as they are too numerous and devoid of reason and full of blasphemy. Now even those of the heretics who are of a more serious turn in regard of the divinity and have derived their systems of speculation from the Greek 
must stand convicted of these charges. But Nicholas has been a cause of the widespread combination of these wicked men. He, as one of the seven that were chosen for the deaconate, was appointed by the apostles. But Nicholas departed from correct doctrine and was in the habit of calculating indifferency of both life and food. And when the disciples of Nicholas continued to suffer insult to the Holy Spirit, John reproved them in the Apocalypse, also known as Revelation, as fornicators and eaters of things offered unto idols. That's a quote taken from the Refutation of All Hearsays, chapter 7. So what is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans? The doctrine and promise of the destruction of Abba Yah's people via the fallen angel demon watchers. Enoch, chapter 8, full chapter. And Azazel taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them and bracelets and ornaments and the use of antimony and the beautifying of the eyelids and all kinds of costly stones and all coloring tinctures. And there arose much godlessness and they committed fornication and they were led astray and became corrupt in all their ways. Semyaza taught enchantments and root cuttings, Aramaros, the resolving of enchantments, Barakuel taught astrology, Cocobel the constellations, Ezequiel the knowledge of the clouds, Araquel the signs of the earth, Shamazel the signs of the sun, and Serial the course of the moon. And as men perished, they cried, and their cry went up to heaven. Enoch 69.5-13 through 13, tells us more of what was being taught by the fallen angel demons. The second was named Asbel. He imparted the holy sons of God, evil counsel, and led them astray so that the, they defiled their bodies with the daughters of men. And the third name, Gabriel, he is the one who showed the children of men all the blows of death. And he led Eve astray and showed the weapons of death to the sons of men, the shield and the coat of mail and the sword for battle and all the weapons of death to the children of men. And from his hand they have proceeded against those who dwell on the earth from that day and forevermore. And the fourth was named Penume. He taught the children of men the bitter and sweet, and he taught them all the secrets of their wisdom. And he instructed mankind in writing with ink and paper, and thereby many sinned from eternity to eternity and until this day. For men were not created for such a purpose to give confirmation to their good faith with pen and ink. For men were created exactly like the angels, to the intent that they should continue pure and righteous, and death which destroys everything could not have taken hold of them. But through this knowledge, their knowledge that they wanted to obtain, they are perishing. And through this power, it is consuming me. And the fifth was named Khadijah. This is he who showed the children of men all the wicked smitings of spirit and demons and the smitings of the embryo known as abortion in the womb, that it may pass away and the smitings of the soul, the bites of the serpent, 
and the smitings which fall through the noontide's heat, the son of the serpent named Tabet. And this is the task of Kazabel, the chief of the oath which he showed to the holy ones when he dwelt high above in glory. And his name is Bequa. The reason why writing wasn't supposed to be taught is because words, symbols, and pictograms contain power. It is called spelling for a reason. The term spelling is generally used for magical procedures which cause harm or force people to do something against their will. Unlike charms for healing, protection, etc. is the definition of spelling used by Oxford Dictionary of English Folklore. The Encyclopedia Britannica, 1941 edition, states, In general terms, the belief underlying the use of spells is that the wish that they embody will be fulfilled, regardless of its goodness or badness, so long as the formula has been correctly produced. Broadly speaking, then, spell and prayer, like magic and religion, to which they severely belong, can be distinguished by the nature and intent of the purpose. Again, when our hearts and minds are negative, our actions and words will be negative. It's all about intent. We speak life or we speak death to the soul. For more on the power of words, please read Frequencies of Yah, Power of Words, Dr. Mazaru Emoto's Word and Water Experiment. We are called to come out of the beast system. Your governments and religion. And we are called into the truth. The true word of Abba Yah. Revelation 18 verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that they may not be partakers of her sin, and that they receive not of her plagues. As always, it's never goodbye, but I'll see you later.